Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. Hey, it's January 18th, and it's episode 19 of our fourth season here at First Date Copites. Uh, welcome, dear listener. I'm Paul. I'm joined today by Justin uh, from New York and Daz, who is in Baltimore. Um, so the Reds suffered a really disappointing loss to Brighton last weekend, which I'm sure we'll um, talk about. But last night, they recorded a really nice win. FA Cup third round replay at Wolves uh, to progress. And as a reward, they're going back to play Brighton at the Amex one more time. I, I should say, um, I was talking to someone today who's a Wrexham fan who asked what last night's game was about. And I had this disturbing realisation that Wrexham of the National League were already in the fourth round. Uh, and we just about scraped in there uh, uh, yesterday. Anyway, um, what, so welcome. Let's start with Brighton, shall we? Um, we might not want to talk about this for too long because this felt really, really hard to even contemplate for like hours and maybe days afterwards. Um, so I'll start with you, Justin. Um, was there anything good, um, that you could take away from that game? And, and maybe if not, cause that's a possibility. Um, what, what the hell do you think was going on? Um, I think to make a peon to your earlier mention of Wrexham, Liverpool uh, lied down like Deadpool. <laughs> They're bad. They're yeah. really bad. That was, I think, the worst match I've watched under Klopp. It felt, uh, it felt not like people like saying it felt like the six one at Stoke. It didn't feel like that to me. It felt something very different. Watching Brighton play us is what other teams looked like playing us for five years. And I hate being on the other end of that. Being on the other end of that sucks. I don't want to do that very often. It's a terrible feeling. What went wrong? Everything. What went right? Nothing. We didn't look like we could even factor into a position to get a shot on target. Like pick your pick pick anybody, they had a bad performance. Yeah. Um like the, the the best performance is in the team where the guy's up front because they couldn't actually get involved in the game. That tells you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so even to the point where it was an embarrassment how long it took to bring the four subs on, right? That 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 was very telling. Literally, everybody had a bad. You actually know what? I will compliment one player involved in the match, Ben Doak. <laughs> ben Doak actually played like he was playing for something, yeah, and you know tried actually pressed a bit, tried to at least move with the ball, but it's just like. We, we just didn't look like we had anything to us. We didn't know how to stop them. We didn't know how to create against them. It almost felt like the United game on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Although there was something really weird about the formation. I'll go to you in, in, in a moment, Dad. There was just finally just there was something really weird about the formation now. Like the amount of space that March, Charlie March, I don't know why you can't say March, but everyone seems to call him Solly March. Um, it's like, I don't know, one of those branding things I'm sure uh, had on the right wing was just ridiculous. Uh, and it, it felt conscious. It felt like Robertson, were, his job was not to go out to the touchline. I don't think, I, I think part of the reason we were so bad is because whatever tactical change we tried to do, the players were both physically incapable of and mentally incapable of because like 
playing Tiago higher, um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me because if you play Henderson and Fabinho, you have two guys at the base of your midfield who first off can't move. And secondly, can't progress the ball. So like, how do you expect to play football? You, if you use Tiago deeper, he'll buy more space and he'll at least create, like he'll at least give Sala an opportunity to potentially run in behind. Cause there's actually no pace in there behind as well, but there's just, um, it, it was just very illogical and both of their wingers were allowed to find the ball in acres of space. Did you see anybody get close to Matoma for the entirety of his time on the pitch? He, he, he was able to run at whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted. Did the same thing against us in the first game at Anfield too, when he came on. What, what yeah. is the good player? He's done that against other people, not just yeah. against those. He's very uh, good. Yeah. 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 Whereas Solly Marsh, uh, I told somebody saying that, uh, I think it was the Southampton game. The Southampton were making him look like uh, Luis Figo. And I think we were doing our best to make him look like that too, uh, given him, because he had way more space, I think, than Matomo. Well, that, uh, just just a tangent there. Like, there's the only other person that I can think of in the, in the league, I'm not even sure if this in the league, was that, that gets the full name was Carl Dolo. <laughs> right, right. Probably because right. he sounds like a bad guy in the get from Game of Thrones. Yeah. But the, uh, to answer your question, um, the best part about that game was it was only 90 minutes long. So the pain eventually ended. Um, yeah. I, so I, I think Klopp, Klopp said it was the worst he'd ever seen one of his teams play, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't honestly feel that ups- I'm not that upset about it because I believe on the same, this part this time last week or whatever time it was last week, I said that we were probably going to lose 3 1 to them. Yeah. Well, and we dismissed that because we knew better, right? Well, I, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, I was really, was very frustrated. My biggest frustration of all of this was this is the same team that came to Anfield and put three against us, three, three past us. And we didn't seem to learn from that. I know that a lot of water's gone under the bridge. Players are mentally fatigued. They're physically fatigued. They just don't, uh, okay, I'm not, I am not going to to put Klopp in anywhere near the same zip code as as. Brendan Rodgers, but one thing that it did, like the way the formation set up and the way that we were tact- so tactically ill-disciplined was that whether it was ill-disciplined or, or it was just throwing something at the wall to see what stuck at that point was a lot like Brendan Rodgers pacing around in Stephen Gerrard's kitchen looking for looking for answers to, to, to the end of his tenure, what he was going to do to try and fix things. And that's kind of how it came across. It was just this higgledy-piggledy the kind of mishmash, uh, mishmash ideas of, of, of what we were going to do to try and stop Brighton. Brighton are an 11 that plays like 12. And I said this last week is like, I've, I've watched them for a couple of years now. And, and, and I think we said it today in, in, a, in our thread is like the beauty and the attractiveness of their football is the fact that it's so simple. They, they hunt, they hunt well in packs. Um, they move the ball very quickly between the lines. They're very, very clever in the movement off the ball and they just utilize what they have very effectively. The difference this year and toward the ends of last year was they started finishing their chances, which they couldn't do the season before. Yeah. So I think one of the changes they've made, uh, and be interested in your perspective on this, Justin, is they've added that's seven midfielders in that team, effectively. Like um, Pep. Yeah. It's a point move. And and it, it feels like if we'd have had different tactics, that, that seven midfielders might have been a problem. You know, we might have been able to overcome that. But the problem was we gave two if not more of their midfielders, like oceans of space to work in. Yeah. Well, two of those guys are Moises Caicedo and Alexis, Alexis McAllister, who are both fantastic footballers who mm-hmm. are going to be playing in 
high-end Champions League clubs within the course of the next year. I, I don't see either of those guys at that club beyond next year. Yeah, They are going to cash in on them. And they'll probably recruit really good players in their place because that's a really well-run club. And, um, you know, I, 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 I envy their stability at the moment. It's interesting, isn't it? All the people that left and went to Chelsea and they still feel, feel like incredibly stable. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they found a funding source because Todd Bowley will buy anything. <laughs> he will, apparently. We'll talk about that later, maybe. He bought this in, podcast while you've been on it. In <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting way more for it than we ever would from anywhere else, right? Yeah. Sure, we'll, we'll probably get sanctioned by the FA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Todd Bowley later. Just kind of final round on on, on the Brighton game, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into the Wolves game because that feels more appetizing to to talk about. Um, I don't want to talk about like what, like what, what if you. I know it's not one thing, but it occurs to me more and more after this game. Um, and I'll start with you, Daz. That like I don't know how we would feel about getting ninety points in three of the last four seasons, but been in three Champions League finals in what, the last four or five years. And like not only ending up, only ending up with one Champions League, one league, uh, like one point away from winning it twice. Like it being really hard to go again, no matter how my legs were or no matter how, um, you know, whatever formation we were trying, uh, I may not, you know, just psychologically hard, to, to, to kind of go forward from here. And and I was dismissing that as a as a as a thought for months, but now I'm very much in the, the mindset of gotta be really hard because it's so unfair. They should have definitely have had more trophies based on everything they've done. Well we said that I think that we kind of allayed that particular fear or concern because we won the four right before the before the international break, yeah. and we we bouncing into that six week break, thinking Klopp's going to figure it out. We're going to move forward from here. This is going to be the springboard, and then it's kind of sputtered. We looked good against Villa for most of the game. Leicester was it had its moments. Then Brentford, and then this, and then the Wolves in between that. It was it's. Then it just costs everything in a much starker light. Because we've said many times, if Dorman Nunez finishes even 30% of those big chances that he missed, yeah, this is a completely different conversation. We'll say, yeah, it was a bit of a spawny win, but guess what? We're in touching distance of fourth or third, or we're right in the hunt. But it's 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 just bound to, to for us to get more introspective. And it, it is. like So apparently... What uh, Mourinho used to do was he would change his tactics. If he did, couldn't change his personality, change he changed his formation, he changed his tactics just to freshen it up for the for the people that were still there to try and give them so, something else to focus on. And Klopp has Klopp's just asked these guys to go again and again and again. And eventually, like they're not automatons, they're not machines. Although you might think so for the last three seasons. And eventually, it's, it's like the lubricant will wear out, and something's going something's going to give. And it, and you're seeing it. And the fact that these guys was how they responded most recently in, in, on, on social media. And I, you shouldn't take a lot from social media because like a lot of it can be really disingenuous, but you get the sense that these guys were the real Nadir. Like it was like, we can't allow this to happen again. Yeah. We're better than this. We're, we're, 
we are custodians of Liverpool Football Club's football as it stands right now. There's more is expected of us. We are nowhere way more capable of this. And I thought it was very interesting that Klopp decided, like, okay, kids, you, you guys, you guys take a seat. Mm-hmm. I'll play these guys. And and he got a response from it. But I, I, it is, it's got to be difficult for these guys, and you have to give them a, a, a little bit of, of leeway. But you know, your top reds, they won't. This guy's shite. He's shite. He sucks. Get rid of him. We need this. Yeah. And. It's, it's, it's not a knee-jerk reaction per se because I think a lot of us saw this coming towards the end of last year when the wheels were definitely start squeaking a lot more and we weren't purring as, as much as we were that earlier that season or the season before, or the, that towards the end of last season, the season, that previous season. Yeah. So it's the humans, man. Yeah. And the, the, it's so many false dawns. We'll see what happens. Like this was, I think, the Wolves game. We'll get onto this. I know this, but it's it's worth prompting prompting this. It's like it was. I think it was one of our lowest XGs. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. this season. Yeah. I think it might have been the lowest XG. Yeah. Yeah. Based on XG, we should we should have had a goal yeah. of Brighton. I've got a fun one though, because the uh, post shot XG against Wolves was 0.46 in a game where we registered 0.16 XG. That is, it's remarkable to generate more, that much more post-shot XG than XG. And is that yes. solely based on the Elliott goal? That is, no, oh, it is actually based on Curtis great. Jones. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, let's get you know, so, see the smoke coming out of my ears. Let's definitely talk about that. But let's just wrap up Brighton thing. Um, final thoughts on this, Justin. Um, I, I mean, I think part, for me, part of a comp has got to be like, Arsenal are not that great. And those bastards are having it easy this season, given that like the stuff we went through in those two seasons where we didn't win the lead by a point. Um, it's not just us; it's City. They're falling apart too. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's sometimes it's it's first off, both teams are having str- struggle playing, struggling playing directly through a number nine who's not defensively engaged at all times. Holland doesn't do much in build up play. Doesn't do shit. Darwin Darwin does a little bit more in build up. <laughs> But also at the same time, Darwin is not a particularly defensively engaged center forward. I've seen him make more tackles than Holland. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. a it's, uh, that that bar is so low that it's like a trip. It's a trip court <laughs> right, on the ground. Right. All right, good um, point. Good point. But um, I think it's you have to change up the makeup of the team every so often. And if you have too many guys who went through all the same things that you were pointing out mentally, Paul, you like you do wonder. Is there too many people who have been through the wars too many times? If not, like, is you always need some guy, you always need a few people to keep the culture of what you had going if you really like what you have. Like, yeah. you need veteran leadership, you need, and you do, but you don't only need it. <laughs> you sometimes actually just need young guys who will run through a wall and have the capacity to do so. Cause not, not, like nothing lasts forever. Jordan, like Jordan Henderson, for instance, has run more yards than literally anybody we've ever seen. He might have run one yard too many. Yeah, and you have to occasionally take a look at that and just yeah. realize that when you do that, but you have someone who's that vocal, but the performance level doesn't cap doesn't catch up to the vocal the, the like you know the vocal uh, nature of it. It can it, it can. Um, it can be, it can lose its effectiveness. Like, I don't think it's like creates trouble in the locker room, but people will just sit there and say, Hey man, just do your job while you're on the pitch and I'll do mine instead of you trying to point out every job to do on the pitch because yeah. 
it's increasingly harder to, to do everything and point out everything when you're having trouble doing your, your requirements. Although I was thinking about something Daz said last week, actually, about how like he, like Henderson looked great at the World Cup in those couple of games he played. Just wonder whether he was like free of any like like he didn't have to work. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, England's never won anything, and they're not like to win anything anyway. Um, I think and, also Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham's legs help. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, my my point is like you come back here and you're like, how are these fuckers leading the league? Arsenal, that is, and. We've been so magnificent for all these years and we only ended up with one Premier League trophy. And damn it, we didn't get to even celebrate with anyone apart from, you know, family and friends. Football um, is a cruel whore. Yes. And she proved herself to be every single effing, effing year. Yeah. So um, I absolutely decided that was the end of part one. Um, we We could talk a lot more. So we're going to talk about Wolves, but I feel like we should spend longer on the Wolves game because um, if Brighton was a nadir, I think that was the word you used, Daz. Love the word nadir. Um, how do we find our zenith? Welcome back to part two. We are going to talk about a match that Liverpool won. And not only did they win, they had a clean sheet. Um, I cannot rem- remember. Do you remember the last time we had a clean sheet? I don't It's really hard. Um, no, because we've been shitting the bed for the last three weeks. Napoli at Anfield in the Champions League. Oh, wow. That's, that's incredible. Given Napoli are probably currently the most informed team in, uh, in Europe, Europe football. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a really good start. So victory over Wolves. Um, where do we begin? We, we had three teenagers, um, our signal group, uh, there were some people in our signal group, um, were, were, um, a bit concerned about, uh, the absence of height in the team that they picked the three teenagers, maybe the absence of pace up front. Um, and, and Sean was concerned about uh, another aging midfielder coming in to help us out, uh, who turns out was perfectly fine. James Miller, that is. Um, thank you, Sean. My hero, my mate. Uh, <laughs> Got the pictures to prove it. Uh, right, right. So, Jimmy Milner. Um, but uh, what, what, I'll go to you, Justin. Um, where do we start? The three teenagers. Um Bajitic, 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 I think it's... Stefan. Stefan, (laughs) yes. Um, So so I I was, my eyes were open to a new pronunciation. Uh, I think the guys on ESPN had it wrong because they were like doing Bajitic, but I think it's Bajitic. I think that's how you're supposed to say it now. It's not an A, it's a... Anyway, he was fucking good, wasn't he? He was fantastic. He's... Relatively big. He needs to fill out, but he's, I think he's 6'1". He he's gets, yeah, he, he is, is yeah. he is able to get around the pitch. Yeah. He, he, um, he actually attempted tackles and won tackles, which is a novel concept for our midfield this season. <laughs> Joined well in the midfield by Nabi Keita, also snapping into tackles, and Tiago Alcantara, also snapping into tackles. Kind of fun. Um, but I thought, I thought Stefan was fantastic. I'm not going to tackle the last name. Everybody's now gotten in my head about it. Um, but he was fantastic. Um, I thought, you know, I thought Harvey Elliott actually had a very good game, even though we offered very little on attack. I mean, he gave he gave us a decisive moment, and that's a wonderfully taken goal. Um, 
ran a lot. It's it's going to be hard on creative players like him and Gakpo and Carvalho are all ball to, ball to foot players. So there's nobody who's running in behind it. None of those guys have the pace to really do that anyway. Like all three of them are guys you'd want playing withdrawn behind two guys with pace to be more of you know starting the action rather than getting on the end of it. And that that was you know that was that was difficult on them and you know wasn't particularly great. Um, I thought Fabio. Carvalho actually at least looked better on, you know, on the ball when he played. He was pretty safe with it. He didn't get muscled off of it too much. And I enjoyed the way all three, all three of the front three pressed. Um, in particular, Gakpo was really defensively engaged. I don't think he won the ball a ton, but he at least provided an extra layer of defense to also just help the midfield out. And then the midfield, you know, the press being there allows the midfielders to make plays proactively rather than reactively. And, I think that was a a big difference and a, a of encouragement yesterday. Um, you know, the 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 you know the press and the forwards creating opportunities for the midfield to to actually win the ball in transition was kind of nice. And then Tiago Alcantara still remains an absolute wizard. Um, I feel like he is the one player who I actually kind of give a little bit of a pass given in our midfield because he's the one who you know is the most active of all of them throughout games and. We, uh, you know, I, I think we might hopefully have found something here. Like, you know, hopefully this is, a, a, you know, players that we can introduce to the rotation in Kaida and uh, Stefan, who are who will actually get playing time and play because they the two of them looked yesterday like they're better than most of our other midfielders. Yeah, I'm sure there's no arguments here about is it the system or is it the players, but um, you know. Great point. Not a lot of pace up front, but somehow we still managed to work the press in this game much better than we had in, in some of the previous games. And to the XG point, I do think there's some like pass before the pass thing going on. Like we had really good situations that we never seem to quite tee up for great shots. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, that's really a, a specific question. The Elliot goal, like seems to come out of nowhere. Goalie got, came in for a lot of criticism. Know you have a different standard for goalies. What what was your thoughts about that? Um, it went from oh, for fuck's sake, to, ah! I, th- I thought he was going to welly that over the bar. And so, the, so, the, so someone in our pub yelled, "Pass it to Cater," <laughs> and he scored. Well, I, I think I know we often reference the guys at uh, at the Anfield rep and and. I think that they were along the same lines as like Klopp generally doesn't endorse those types of 25 plus yard shots or 20 outside of 20 yards. Yeah. And apparently James Milner said, hit it, put your foot through it. And he did. And it went in. Jose saw on closer inspection, I don't know what the hell he was doing. I have no idea what the hell he was doing. He was in no man's land. And then he was, I can't. I, he probably hedged his bets, but he looked like he almost stumbled backwards. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd, I'd give probably nine out of ten goalkeepers making that save, and I think it got in his head because did you, did you see the one he just kicked out for a corner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was in, I think it was in his head after that. He's, he's a he can make some great saves, but he's a very inconsistent goalkeeper, and long may it continue. But just on just on Justin's point, I think that the Wolves game was the perfect 
foil for, for us in terms of what was, what's been going on in recent weeks. I, I don't think that anyone really gave a monkeys about whether or not we really performed in that. And it gave Klopp the, 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 the ability to, to say like, look, I'm just going to change it up. I'm going to take all of these guys out of the firing line. It's clear that they are just mentally knackered because it's, because look at, look at Thiago Alcantara yesterday. He looked, he looked like he was enjoying himself. And it's the first time I've seen, looked like he had him enjoying himself for, for, for ages. <laughs> I just wanted to share that someone on Twitter said, Thiago Alcantara could find space in a single bed with Gemma Collins. <laughs> that was hilarious. Because he is. Like, he's, he's masterful. He is. And he is. I think that Klopp had probably told these guys, like, look, win, lose, or draw, 100 shots on goal, zero shots on goal. All I want from you guys is to get compact, to get closer to each other and to press your absolute bollocks off. The way that, that, that Stefan, Stefan was pressing. Budgetich. You bite. Budgetits. He, uh, he was absolutely, he was absolutely in, incredible. Like you, he, he could almost sniff out when someone was going to get like that, that four or five inches or more away from their foot. And if you look at a lot of the, the midfielders, they were probably within four or five yards of one another in that press. And it made it that frenetic that, that they, they couldn't get out. And they panicked. And they, it, 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 we looked more like ourselves than we have in quite some time. And I think that that was the focus. Klopp said, like, win, lose, or draw, this is what I want us to do. Get back to the basics that made us what we were. Yeah. And, and, and I think he drilled that into everyone because the, when the subs came on, we looked demonstrably like worse. I, I don't think that Curtis Jones was doing the same amount of work closing down that that that, that Carvalho was doing. That like those guys ran them that ran themselves into the ground. To your point, Justin, like they, they weren't offering much going forward, but they were made damn sure that they were covering the man. They were closing down passing lanes and they were hustling. They were hustling. And and when they went off, it, it, it kind of fell off. Harvey Harvey went back into like that 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 that, that left sided eight role. And I think that he just, he, he looked a bit at sea for a while. He was letting guys run past him. He wasn't picking up like we were before. And, and as a result, we were under duress. But I thought that Harvey, that that's, that's his bucket. That, that's, that's, that's the bucket that he carries water with. He's, to Justin's point, he's not quick enough to go around anyone. But he's masterful with the ball at his foot. He's very tough. Like he's, it doesn't get like too far away from him. So he makes it, it makes it difficult to get the ball from him. And if he shifts it quickly enough, it, it he makes it. He makes it look easy. Yeah. If James Milner was was kind of that same revelation. I think he was just told, like, look, just don't let anyone get by you. Just and just and just keep it simple. Keep it solid. Well, there was that moment at the end of the game where he actually made a tackle, which uh, somebody meanly in in my vicinity suggested might have been his first of the season. I think he's made more than one tackle, but he was so pumped up by the the tackle he made. And the importance of like shutting down Wolves' game, I, I felt like that was a moment. Um, you know, hopefully uh, that he can take forward. Um, that, I mean, so many people I want to talk about actually in, in this game. I mean, when we've we've talked, some people on this podcast have been very critical of Cater, uh, uh, Milner, and Gomez. Um, some of them, the critiques, the critical people may not be here, um, but. Um, I don't know. Gomez, let's start with that, Justin. Um, I, I thought that was a really good performance from him. Um, he looked good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm no longer thinking, as some people have said, he should be shipped off somewhere and we should find a full centre-back from somewhere else. 
Okay, that's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but one match is not changing my opinion on that. One match is not changing my opinion on that. But um, no, I'd like to, I'd like to see Joe Gomez play well. It's just been very difficult for him to do so lately. But you know what? I, I'm, I'd start him against Chelsea off of that performance because it's better than Matip's last few performances have been. And um, you know, you hope that. Gomez and Ibu can give you an approximation of how Virgil and Gomez played that position where, you know, it's very obvious which one is going to stop the ball aerially and which one's going to sweep so they know their roles. And, you know, it, it puts Ibu then on Trent's side. His favorite side, I think. Which is his favorite yeah. side. Yeah. And you put him on Trent's side and he's going to be able to help Trent out defensively more. Like if you... You put a defensive, you know, a right center, central midfielder who's also more defensively clued in, you know, than either Elliott or Henderson. And again, it starts to look more solid. Like, yeah, there are solutions to some of these problems in the team. We, how good are those solutions going to be? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to take us to go to on a run to Istanbul, but you never know. But solve your problems, right? Solve the problem. If you're not going to go into the transfer market, you can't just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to try to solve the problems that I have in this team now by, by using the same personnel in the same situations that they've been unable to work through. Like Klopp isn't wrong when he says that there's an obsession with transfers and sometimes you need to actually work, work and focus on the problems you can solve with coaching. And I think, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, two of them there are part of the solution, it seems, at the moment. Yeah. Joe Gomez is going to insert pace into your back line. Nabi Keita is going to be more robust. He's going to be more uh, tenacious in your midfield. Like, those two should play more. Yeah. Well, we, and the we, third one you mentioned was James Milner. And uh, yeah. you know what? He, he, he was good yesterday. Um, did a good job. Didn't, didn't really get beaten too much. Didn't sell out for too much. Um, he gave you a... James Milner performance, you know, solid effort and uh, going to make it through 90 minutes. Can I just call one thing out from James Milner? Like when, uh, oh, who, I can't remember who, was it Al Nure? Nure, yeah. Yeah, got, uh, was offside and uh, Milner clattered in. It's like a free hit. Yeah. Very. I was actually, I said that to my son. I was like, this is what you need to watch. Okay. This is the most professional foul that you're going to see. Like he doesn't make it look too egregious, yeah. But he will pull the man down, and he'll make sure that it sticks. Yeah, and and not even call the foul because it was offside. But even his fouls, like his professional fouls yesterday and his tactical fouling yesterday, was was yeah. was some was sumptuous for those of us that have may or not have engaged in some of the darker arts in our times playing football. Well, this team uh, th- that was the interesting thing I think about one of the interesting things about this team they actually committed. I think more fouls than we have in a long time, right? And Wolves are very upset that we didn't get more yellow cards. Um, well, I know that Andre Mariners, like I, 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 it almost make, feels like I need to wash my mouth out saying his name out loud. But like he, I know we're coming to talk about him in a second, but he was, he was fair. Well, we can talk about him now. He, uh, it was remarkable, actually, wasn't it? Um, it was the first game I watched. I mean, you said there were more games of four, but this is the first game I've watched in a while where it's like, you know, I I, I could go with most of those calls. You know? Yeah, they missed a few. They missed a few corners that Wall should have had. Yes, um, but aside and I, from- I don't think that the card that he gave to um, 
to what's his face, the uh, the Vaseline pirate. I don't think that that was a yellow card. Oh, it, no. was, it was it was very very soft. Yeah, but swings and roundabouts. Um, the one thing that I. I guess it's tangential, but like that, that the handball that they gave against Mo on top of the box there, it's. I just wish that they were more consistent. Is it a hand? Because if that's a handball, what happened in a game against Arsenal? It, it was almost identical. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like we should feature that every week, like Miguel Arteta's scandalous refereeing. Like, really, you've not been on the good end of this, anyway. Um, Anything else to say about the Wolves game? Um, we'll, we'll go to part three and we'll talk about like the upcoming game against Chelsea and maybe some other random stuff about all the things that are wrong with Liverpool, according to Miguel Delaney. That's the topic we might want to touch on. Um, and I think we should about- talk about Nabi, though. Nabi, like, yeah, go ahead. Nabi was great. Yeah. I think it's... The- like, I'm, 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 I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second here, but it's Klopp has to have something against him. I know if it's because... He just doesn't trust him. If it's if he's just an asshole in the dressing room, something's going on because every time he's come on, he's made us look look more of a compact unit. He's made us look demonstrably better when he's come on. And yesterday was the first start that he's gotten in yeah. in quite a while. And the and the difference was telling. So it's if you if if what's in the press to, is to be, be believed, which you can take or leave it, pinch of salt, pile of bullshit, whatever. It's they're saying that that, that there's a, they're at an impasse and then he wants he wants gone. So yeah, I, I'd, so I wonder if that's fi- that's factoring into what Klopp is thinking. But it, you, you can't. If, if I cringe to, I I hope he's not that petty. Uh, that he's like he's like look, we we this needs must at this point. We are we don't have very many hands on the pump, and he's one of the steadying hands on the pump. So uh, why not play him? Like it's like he, he does. He does some some crazy stuff every now and again that that can get us into trouble, but he, the the vast preponderance of what he does is 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 beneficial to a, to us playing football. I, I think someone said to me yesterday actually saying I've forgotten how good he was um, when he was on the ball, like with those short passes, like mm-hmm. how he kind of stands people up. Um, yeah, I I, I I think that was a definitely an eight out of ten performance from him in my book. Justin. I liked him a lot. Sorry, I was looking at the agenda. <laughs> no, I thought I mean, like he he makes us play better, and I believe also that the stats prove it. I think we've won like seventy eight percent of the games he starts, which is an extremely high ratio. There's no one on the team that, that that's played that we've won more games when they've been playing than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think if you if you look at it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. He's the one who was supposed to probably be in his prime age and being the first midfielder on the team sheet when he was signed at this point. And uh, yeah. the fact that it hasn't happened and we don't know why is uh, something that I think we're going to end up finding out once he leaves Liverpool, when someone has, you know, the inside story of why Naby Keita didn't make it at Liverpool, even though, you know what he kind of has because he's been part of a team that's won literally everything. So yeah. I'd rather just, you know, focus on the good things he did and, hope that he gets a chance to do a few more of them. I think it's really easy when he's not been in the team to point to the times when he hasn't been in the team, but often when he has, he's been like incredibly influential. He's a good footballer. Still not forgiving him that diabolical shot in the Champions League final. That's, that's, that feels like, 
He took one yesterday that's that that stopped before it got over the eighteen yard line, and he hit it from nineteen yards. It was, it was awful. That looked like me pitching a golf ball. <laughs> yeah. So, so th- th- this is how Nabi's career will be defined: like some highs and some lows. Okay, um, okay, we're going to end part two here. So uh, clearly, like win number one in a sequence that we hope will last a while. Hey, welcome back to part three of First Date Copites. Um, we have looked in uh, at uh, the games that Liverpool played in the last week. Um, in the upcoming week, we only have one game. It's an early kickoff on Saturday against uh, the confusing uh, uh, team that is Chelsea uh, Football Club. Um, Chelsea did win last weekend. Uh, that's their first win in a while. I think it was, was it 1-0? Yes. Yeah, be Palace. Maybe Palace. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Palace, who looked awful to me in most games I've seen him recently, but did do the decent thing and took points off United today, which we should always celebrate. Um, well done, Michael Olise. Um, uh, but the, the so just t- quick tangent. Uh, I noticed the the Mancon NBC's coverage was still talking up Manchester United about how they control the game. If that was us, we'd be talking about like. Oh, how could you lose a game in the last minutes? That's really weak. Anyway, anyway, Chelsea. Um, uh, Justin, I'll start with you. What what team would you play this weekend? Given everything we've said about who played well yesterday and who may not be in the best form, um, but formation obviously is a big part of this. How would you how would you begin to set this thing up? I would repeat the midfield we had. Or if I need to not play Stefan, because I don't trust him against Chelsea yet, I am playing Fabinho as the defensive midfielder and hoping that Tiago and Nabi can bring out the best in them. Um, I, I, I don't want to see Henderson near the starting lineup. Let him run, let him run his, like his entire tank out in the last 30 minutes. Um, and then I want to see a back four of Robertson, Canate, um, Gomez, and Trent. Obviously, I want to see Allison in the net. And I think probably the front three, you have potentially, you know, four players for three spots where if Darwin and Mo, if Darwin's healthy and enough to start, you're, you're starting him. If Mo is obviously a no-brainer. And then it's the question is, where do you deploy all of them and who do you use? I would probably go with Gakpo with Darwin and Mo, and I'd probably play Gakpo a bit more withdrawn um, kind of to help you solidify the center and He's he's a player who wants balls to, ball to feet, and is probably more of a supplier and guy who might shoot from distance than an in the box player. Whereas Mo and Darwin are in the box players, so I would rather have them further forward where they can also play off of each other. So I think that's how I'd attack that. But I can also see Klopp going with Mo at center forward and um, Harvey on the right or left wing, depending upon Darwin's fitness. Um, in which case you'd imagine it'd be Gakpo, Elliot, Sala. But I think Elliot has to be played as a forward. I don't like dropping him into midfield. Um, I think his off-ball work as a forward is good. His off-ball work as a midfielder is not quite good. And you actually, you'll get more out of him just playing him in a position that suits him. Yeah. I, I, I do think at times on uh, in yesterday's game with Elliot, we played like a, 
what is it, a four, three and a half, two and a half. I think that's the right way of looking at it. Elliot wasn't quite a forward at times, and um, and there were definitely times where he was part of a four in the midfield. So definitely think that's an option. I think I believe South American football invented this role. It's called the number ten. <laughs> well, except he's on the right hand side. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know what you call that. Um, Eight point seven five. Not nine and a half. It's like a Harry Potter wizardry uh, kind of kind of thing. The messy role. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, okay, that that's that seems yeah yeah I can do that. Um, what about coming off the bench though? Because if you do end up with Gakpo, Nunez, and Salah, then our bench is still a bit thin without Jota and Diaz and Firmino. No, we've got the Scottish Messi. We've got Ben Doak. We'll be all right. Yeah. Well, I think if 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 Chilwell and and James are playing, then uh, I think Doak could be in his element, right? Because I don't think they've got anyone else with pace. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're kind of we're kind of boned it forward until Bobby um, and Jota return. Um, Bobby was supposed to be back for Brentford and is still not back, so I guess mm-hmm. where is he? Um, but. He he's the reason no one believes any Liverpool injury updates, right? It's like, no, oh, I mean, it's just a minor injury, <laughs> flesh wound. I think he was genuinely probably supposed to be back for that game, but he's also thirty, and this is when you know the age when injury recovery for athletes starts to fall off a cliff. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's any attempt to obfuscate there. I just think that it it is what it is. They thought he'd be healthy. He's not. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. <laughs> It'll be telling to see what happens with the first uh, forward sub off the bench. Is it going to be Oxlade-Chamberlain, which I kind of hope it's not because I'm not a huge fan of him playing as a forward? Or will actually Fabio Carvalho get to play more minutes as well too? Like, mm-hmm. are Carvalho and, El- and and Doak basically our depth? I mean, not really ideal, but I think it's preferable to Chamberlain. And there's the extent to which we actually need to pl- play to find out what we have and some of the guys will actually be here next season. And I, I, I'd rather see the young guys at this point. It's a really great call, actually, because it felt like for a month or so, then Carvalho wasn't getting near the team. Uh, and uh, they, actually, Chamberlain got played on that left side. I don't know which game it was, but one of these games, and maybe it was the uh, the, the Brighton game was the final thing, which said, playing Carvalho. Uh, and uh, actually, Chamberlain is down the pecking order. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to use Ox, use him in midfield. Like his skill set's going to play better there right now. Yeah. He he's not going to stretch the pitch for you. So just use him to tackle a bunch of guys and do a bunch of you know just a bunch of running at a faster pace than either Jordan Henderson or Fabinho at the moment. So, where are you does on what the team should be on uh, on Saturday? Um. It's hard to know what team Chelsea are going to play, actually, which is part of my, like, how, how do you set up to play against them? Are they going to play this Ukrainian guy whose name I can't pronounce? Modric. Is that right? Modric. Sounds awful like Modric, which, which you, we, we never do well against. Um, I, I I think that he's going to err on the side of experience. Chelsea, like as as much of a, of, a, of a wounded animal as they are, still have the potential to be a fantastic squad. So, um, I, th- I I'm with Justin. I, I don't think he'll put Stefan B in in the six role. Um, 
primarily, well, A, because of his age, and B, because I think I read somewhere that he was cramping pretty heavily on 70 minutes, and that's why they, awesome. and that's why they had to sub him. You have to remind us, these are kids. Just to be clear, I think uh, Justin was saying we should play Stefan Um I, I, oh, I would. I would absolutely okay. start him. He can run. Yeah, I think he deserves it. He deserves a shot. And and he played it. Look, Wolves, Chelsea aren't Wolves, and Wolves aren't Chelsea. But Wolves are probably more dangerous. Against, right he's now. playing against full-blooded professionals, like full, like full professionals, and he was not out of place. I know people might say, "Oh, well, what about the City game?" I was like, "It's fucking Manchester City." Yeah. Like, and, like it's Fabinho struggles in those games, so. Um, I, but I think I think he'll go with experience. Like uh, as as inconsistent as Fabinho has been, when he's on, he's he's still tremendous. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he'll play Henderson. I, I I hope he doesn't. But then again, that that there was a lot of minutes in, in Tiago's legs. So I'm wondering if he doesn't go with Henderson over Tiago, which would which would break my black little heart. Because you need someone that can like, Henderson. Don't be wrong; he, he can play a great forward ball, but not with the same type of regularity that you're going to get from Thiago. Yeah, and we're going to need someone to help unlock. I know that Nobby can do it too, um, but I, I think that I, I think what he might do is start. If again, is, is there any word on 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 whether or not Darwin is is actually going to be seventy percent? Is what I heard today. Seventy percent chance of him playing. So then I don't think you'll start him, which probably means you'll see Ox with Gapo in the middle and uh and and Mo Mo down the side. I you, I wouldn't mind Carvalho see- instead of uh, Carvalho instead of Oxley Chamberlain, given uh, what he two, did. Two games, two games in a week, I don't think he will. Again, he's a youngster. I don't I don't think he will. I think he'll err on the side of of of, of what he knows. Again, because Carvalho is very inconsistent. He played really well. But he, sometimes he can go missing in games, so I, I, I thought that Ox doesn't. But I think Ox has got more more credibility in the tank. Um, I thought I, Chamberlain was awful at Brighton, and, and he that was. may not have been he his was. fault. But, but he, was he wasn't alone. Like you yeah. can't single yeah. him out in a crowd as being the worst. It was a whole crowd of worst. Uh, I, I'd, I would. Klopp won't. He'll, he'll he'll doggedly persist with his four three three, but I wouldn't really wouldn't mind seeing like a four four two diamond because yeah. and if if of course Darwin's ready to play because I think that Mo and Darwin next to each other are perfect counterpoints. Mm-hmm. Like they they seem to they understand each other, and I think that as we saw it progress, as you saw them get closer and closer together, we saw more attack, more attack, attacking potential. But I think we're going to be limited by by what we have available. Mm-hmm. I think the back four like, kind of speaks for itself. I don't think he'll play Matip. I think that Joey Gomez has done enough. Um, and to go back to the point you made in, in, second, in segment two there, it's, I think that there's been enough evidence of the inconsistency of Joe Gomez for people to be able to say, it's like, he had a great game, however. And you go back to Napoli. However, you go back to Nottingham Forest. Like, you know, there's, there's numerous examples. It's like one in three. Is essentially so you can you you don't have to slaughter him, but you can have kind of misgivings or or a slight hesitation and pause around around choosing him to be to be your cent, your central defender. Yeah. Um, but I, look, there's a long way of saying is I think that he's he's probably going to go with more experience and less youth in this. Yeah. Well, so so of the recent past, I think Matip's performance at Brighton again. I think some of that's about what was being asked of him. 
wasn't great. It felt like he was like constant. He wasn't like when Joel Matty plays at his best, it feels like there's a calmness going on. And that felt a bit too chaotic for, for him to be. Playing around his head was on fire. Yeah. 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 Well, playing out on the right, like, like playing, he's on the wing uh, so many times, which doesn't feel right. I mean, I have something I'd like us to try, but I know it won't happen. Go ahead. This isn't drugs, is it? No. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it's team selection. It is a team selection. Which is a drug. Um, I would like to actually try to see us actually play Matip at right center back and Gomez and right back and actually move Trent into the midfield. That's been floated. Yeah. I think, I, I really think that that actually could be a solution to some things and might be the kind of tweak this team could use because look, I know that you don't really have then a ton of depth at right back. Mm-hmm. And center back, and I know that it basically it jeopardizes center back depth because you're playing three of them at all, at all, and at you know three of them. And if there's an injury, it means you're down to two center backs plus Nat Phillips, which is not ideal. But um, if when you're really looking for a spark, sometimes you have to do some things that you find unconventional, and perhaps moving Trent into the midfield gives you another body there. And it might also be easier if you're going to use the window to just find a defensive right back who you can also use to just plop in behind Gomez as well. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I, th- I think one of the things that actually Phillips does well when we're incredibly compact. In, in my, and one of the issues early in the season, we play against Palace, is like we're playing that high line where there's like two defenders on the halfway yeah. line and they run away and score. Um, I, I, I do think Phillips could play a role, but it needs to be within a much more confined formation. Which yeah, see ball, head ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Neil Atkinson was advocating for Trent in midfield and uh, everyone shouted him down. And the, the shouting down was about uh, Klopp's quite conservative in many ways and he's not tried this. Trent may never have played in midfield for since he was like 16. So... Um, I feel like they need a, a, a like an easy League Cup game or an easy FA Cup game to try it out. And I don't think we have one of those coming. Sometimes the best trial is a trial by fire. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, what failed experiments <laughs> we've had in our recent history. Uh, okay. Let's- I got one. Mario Palatelli. <laughs> Andy Carroll. I was thinking more about someone that we valued playing in a different position that didn't work. Oh. Yeah, Tiago and Katara last uh, Saturday. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> there we go. Bobby Firmino, right wing under Rogers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, so um, that's Chelsea. We we'll play them uh, 7.30 our time on uh, Saturday. Um, Michael Oliver's the ref. Take that where you will. Uh, well, he's been shit the last few times he's refereed us. But generally, I prefer to have him than Atwell or Tierney. Atkinson. We don't have, unfortunately, do not have to have Atkinson anymore. Thank let me, let me Let me ask a question to the two of you. Between now and Saturday morning, how many more players will Chelsea buy? Eleven <laughs> G. Uh, how, how far in debt are they? What, are they in debt? Like, it's... it's it, 
I'm seeing like figures of like a close to half a billion pounds. And in, in, in... when the, when when the team was purchased, the ownership group also pledged 1.7 billion dollars in investment into the squad, the academy, the women's team. It feels like cheating. I mean, they've not spent it well. I mean, let's start with that. You're allowed to invest a certain amount of money into a football club, like when you first buy it. That's part of the FFP rules, but. When you say $1.7 billion of investment, you don't think that you're going to spend $1.7 billion in a year. They could use a new stadium, too. Good. Yes. That's yeah, part long. of the loan, too, is infrastructure on Stanford Bridge. Long may they stay in that stadium because that's going to hold them back. That'll be absolutely awesome. <laughs> so, actually, there was, there was uh, so watching the game on Saturday, um, there was a family who had been to uh, London over the holidays. And uh, for whatever reason, they'd gone to Stamford Bridge for a game. Uh, it was the Bournemouth game. And they said the atmosphere was so subdued. Um, it, was, like, it was not what they were expecting. So one of my friends actually went to the Chelsea game on Sunday. And yeah. I actually want to know what he's going to He has no frame of reference. Like the only other game I've ever, the only other football match I've ever seen him at was a Liverpool Man City ma- uh, exhibition match at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. in 2013 or 20, sorry. Raheem Sterling. Yes, Raheem Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, saying happy birthday. Yeah. So that's the last time I, that, that's the, that's the last time I saw him at a football match. So I want to know kind of what he feels about, uh, Stanford Bridge. Well, my, my friend Chris, our friend Chris said it was a bit dead. Anyway. Because cause I was like, oh, I'm not sure I'd have gone to Stamford Bridge. <laughs> but he's like, oh, yeah, there wasn't, wasn't much going on. It's very quiet. What's yeah. your what's your um, prediction? Scores? Oof. I don't do predictions, but I feel like we're going to beat them by a goal. Prediction? Pain. <laughs> For Chelsea, hopefully. Clever like side. You decide what it contains. Uh, so you know what? If I, I I feel like we score against them first, that will not help their mindset. I have a feeling that Anfield's gonna be up for it. Even in an early kickoff. Yeah. I think there's gonna be some venom. I I think this is when I, I think that the cop might have something to say about this uh this side at the moment. The traveling cop, yesterday was fantastic. It was. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. So I watched the first half back, actually, and it was like, there were so many instances of like, how many Liverpool fans are there? Because this is very loud. Yeah. 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 At first, I thought, those bastards are ripping our songs off. And I was like, oh, that's us. <laughs> right, right. Well, I wasn't sure about the Bobby Firmino one, whether that was them or us. But then they weighed in with, uh, you know, LA, 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 and Fields of Anfield Road. And yes. Yes. Wolves, Wolves fans aren't allowed to take an LA, LA, LA version because Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, I, I, you know, just complete detour here. I, I, I had not realized they were singing the uh, God Save the King at, at Anfield. It's like uh, someone was mocking the sense of like, uh, oh, you want someone to reign over you? <laughs> that seems a bit weird. Anyway, sorry, that's a... It's not a group of people I understand. British counseling. Yeah. So, so I think we talked about this like on the, on our feed, right? Wolverhampton, maybe the poorest city in England. 
Um, why would you be God save the king yet? I don't know. Anyway, um, let's move on to one more thing. We, we talked about their expenditure. I did read a couple of tweets from Kieran Maguire, who I think is at the University of Liverpool and does football finance. And he says the 400 million they've spent on players is not as bad as you think it is because they can defray the costs. So and I know that, you know, they said they're going to invest whatever it is, but this has to show up on their financial fair play, doesn't it? I think it does, but I think they're also owners are allowed like a load up period. Yeah. And you're allowed to invest X amount, but it, whatever it is, they, they're going to, they're going to blow past whatever that is. Yeah. But that's why they're signing all these ridiculous contracts. They have to amortize some of these deals out for so long. Jeez, yeah. Like Todd Bowley, I, I know exactly what this is. Todd Bowley is basically taking like the kind of things that are done to navigate salary caps in American sports and applying them to FFP. And it is not going to work. There's, I mean, you're signing players to seven and eight and a half year contracts. Yeah. Like they're going to be impossible to transfer because the no player, no player, if they go bust at Chelsea and, but make, but is making a really good pay packet. And I can't picture with the amount of money they're spending on transfers that they're probably not paying these guys decent wages. Yeah. Yeah. Like th- th- those deals are going to be impossible to move on if they flop. Do you, do you think he'll? So what's that guy that the, the Mets were paying for years and years? Think they'll be able to like the Dodgers, um, like do, like terrible contracts to Chelsea um, to be keep paying them for? Bobby, it's Bobby Benia, and he has given oh. one point three five million dollars on July first of every year between. It, I think it, it, he signed that buyout in nineteen ninety nine. Oh my God. And he's received $1.35 million every single year and will till 2035. Wow. Wow. So do you think is still going to be getting like a million dollars from Chelsea in like 2035? I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Happy okay. Mark Cucurella Day. <laughs> we should... Uh, that, that, the price they pay for him is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, just a couple more things. Um, Mikel Delaney, who... Apparently, he's now a man in the know about what happens at Anfield. Um, or critiqued uh, Linda's book, um, basically saying that people in the club were not happy about it. He also critiqued the fact that they'd signed Darwin Nunez uh, because they'd let go of their best player, uh, um, Sadio Mane, numerically. The, the, the statistically, that does not add up. The, but what are your thoughts? Uh, Daz, I'll start with you. To, to be honest, I... I... I care less and less about this type of stuff. I know that I share it with you guys, but it's usually just to get a reaction out of Sean. And then, <laughs> That's great. And then when Sean reacts, Justin jumps in, and then it's just time for the popcorn. And then I have to turn the, my feed off for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next two hours of my day are spoken for. It's ah. <laughs> great. I, I honestly, I, 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 Miguel Delaney, and I think we talked about this off air, Justin. He's, he's. He's good at what he does when he knows what he's talking about, which I guess is like 90% of the population. But it's, it, uh, this is probably just like uh, some his, uh, his independent uh, um, editor saying like, look, we need clicks, throw some shit against the wall, try and get some – to rile up some hate, get the top reds going, see if we can get some engagement that way. It's, 
he generally tends to be uh, he's he's an agitator he's an agent provocateur like he likes to, he likes to shake things up he doesn't mind getting into argy bargy with people online it's it's just more of the same like the Pep Linders book did come out of nowhere. So like that, that seems like that there's some credibility to that. I'm like, this, and now since then he's, he seems to be very, very vocal about what his future is going to look like or what the club is doing. Um, it's, I, I think that he's, he's probably, he's probably earned that right. Um, whether or not people are pissed off about it. Like I, I don't, I don't give a flying fuck at a rolling donut to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I know that's not necessarily content, but it's yeah the Darwin the Darwin stuff as well. It's like I think that it's such a knee jerk reaction. Like we lost Sadio Mane. Like I love Sadio Mane just as a human being first, and then as a footballer second. So it, for me, it personally, was a big loss. But I'm not I'm not holding them up as as a like for like transfer. They're two different players. Yeah. And I think that the problem is, and like you see a lot of people do this, is like who was better in their prime, that type of shit. And oftentimes that they're talking about two players that play completely different styles of football. So it's, it's, it's false equivalency and it's, it's, it's just looking, it's trying to pick a fight for the sake of picking a fight. So Miguel Delaney, if you listen to this, God bless you, shut the hell up. <laughs> so the thing I really didn't like was that he claimed that people in Anfield didn't think that Nunez's ceiling was the high. Like, so, um, let's, let's, uh, 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 but just a really like to get your take on the um, the rumors that were really heavy this weekend about like Qatari businessmen are, are going to buy Liverpool. Um, James Pierce was out yesterday, today, talking, saying that most likely thing is going to be some partial investment. Um, I, I don't know where you want to start with with some of the fools that have been vindicating why it would be a good idea to have Qatari investments. But um, your, your, your thoughts on, on what would be a reasonable person's view of all of that nonsense? Well, your first mistake is taking me as a reasonable person. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, if Liverpool is to be sold, the first place you're going to hear from it is not from a bunch of random Twitter accounts because these kinds of deals are complex and require a lot of diligence and usually have non-disclosure agreements and a lot of other things that kind of tell you that the sale of a multi-billion dollar asset isn't going to be conducted over social media. And if you think hey, it is, Justin, just let me interject. That sounds very interesting. Very reasonable. Just, just so I know. And if you think, <laughs> if you think it is, you're making a huge mistake. That's, not, that's just not how these things happen. Um, for some reason, everybody becomes an expert in everything when it's really, really, you know, a hot topic, like, you know, about two and a half years ago or a little over two and a half years, almost three years ago, everybody was becoming a crack epidemiologist, right? Right, right, right. And then, um, you know, everybody now is uh, in Liverpool Twitter is um, an expert in investment banking and uh, acquisitions, acquisitions. geopolitical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, everybody's going to have their, like... When it comes to the concept of Qatari owners, right, if it's a Qatari state, because I want to make a very important distinction, which is if it's a private individual, regardless of where they come from, they deserve to be judged on the merit of their character and the values that they ha- that the, the values they bring to the club. If it's state ownership and you know what that state's about, there are certain things that you're saying I'm okay with. In, in, in like you know, in, in supporting a venture that they're doing, like, and it's going to be really hard for me because I, I can't really just kind of 
quit what like this club. It's kind of a part of my routine watching of everything. And one of the things I love most, but it will feel very, some, some parts about it will feel very, very hollow to me. And I'll know that with every single time we bring in a big, big money transfer, how that sausage was made. And there's parts of that, that I'm just going to find, you know, repulsive. And how, how would I react to it if it occurred? I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. So don't ask me because I don't have anything that I need to actually do. But I think that I, what I would like though is, and, and I know this is a tall ask. If people are really for it, right. You don't have to go through all the mental gymnastics about, you know, what about this? What about this? I'd, it's, it's more intellectually honest to just admit that, you know, this doesn't cross my line. You don't have to try to pretend it's something it's not. So I have some breaking news that uh, you may not be aware of that we might want to just kind of chat on. Headline from um, Sky Sports, Liverpool jump above Man United as Man City say top of Deloitte Football Money League. So Liverpool are now third behind City, who clearly have no dodgy um, connections. Clearly, clearly, just... While we've been on this podcast, I've uh, a company that I just thought of in my head has been signed as the official teleportation partner of Manchester City Football Club. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the the money's entirely legit. Let's not, let's not. (laughs) Um, Real Madrid are second, and we're third in this newly published list. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is the part that this, this is the part that annoys me. Right, you see things like this. We're making third and, you know, we're, we're third in the delay money list. Now, obviously, if we miss the Champions League next year, that will diminish. But the brand and the club are still strong in a good financial position. If you actually just get your stuff right off the pitch, you don't need a sugar daddy owner because there's more than enough money there. You're an extremely rich football club. Yep. Where's the money, it. Henry? Where's the money? I mean, He's a nanny. we don't need the money. We have... Stefan, <laughs> we're, we're, look, we're we're going to need some money in the very near term future because, yeah. regardless of what you think, we have regardless of what anybody thinks about certain players, we have already under contract. You have James Milner, Nabi Keita, and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and Bobby Firmino all out of contract in the summer. And if we're being honest, we probably should be moving past all of them, and you're going to need to replace them in the squad. Yeah. Fabinho. Fabinho's on a contract yeah, for another 20, three years. Twenty nine, you know that. Well, he signed through twenty twenty six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be an uncomfortable conversation around whether or not we should sell him this summer. Yeah, yeah. We, there's lots of questions to be, to be raised. Actually, um, one final thing. Um, kind of now, I've broken the news. Well, which obviously won't be broken could be everywhere. That we're third in that Deloitte's list, which is bizarre. Um, that this is the point we end up being past, you know, United and all those other teams. Um, Katie Gordon, I think you saw the article today. Um, you might have wondered what happened to him. Uh, he started the semi-final second leg against Arsenal um, last year in the League Cup. Yeah. Um, looked like quite a player, but anyway, he's been injured. Apparently, it's to do with growing pains, but he's going to be back very soon. Um, I'm not quite sure that what that means for Ben Doak, but he looked quite a player. Um, so uh, maybe the way to go is thoughts about Katie Gordon, thoughts about like how we can integrate all those other players, including Stefan, who's clearly our hero now, by Chitich, right? That's okay. By Chitich. I mean, 
all of these guys, it's, it's exciting to have young prospects. And the reality is like, if, if one or two of the like five or six guys that we're talking about make it and have good careers in the first team at Liverpool and you're and, and the other four, yeah. you're able to move to places where they can go play a good career and we get some, you know, some money out of it. That's, that's how your Academy should work. And like, I'm, I'm perfectly, perfectly in favor of operating that way. Just needs to be part of the strategy and not just the strategy. I think, I think my point was G- Gordon felt like one of those people, like Harvey Elliott, yeah. like that was a generational kind of talent that you that would would find a place, should be able to find a place in our first team. I mean, he's big, right? So, like, that's a it's a good starting point. I think he's about six one as well, and he's pretty fast. Like, yeah. there's and he's left footed. Yeah, he could be a long-term success. Like it, it's it's a shame that he's missing this year of development because he would be a good long-term foil yeah. for most solid to play just some of those minutes mm-hmm. in in things like the League Cup and the FA Cup. Yeah, I felt like that was a good place to end in terms of um, kind of optimism about some of our future players. Uh, clearly, it's, so it's it's weird, right? That uh, Bacetich has come through this year. Um, and there have been a whole lot of plays we've talked about, and he may now be in like uh, position A to, uh, to to actually be a um, kind of like a regular first team player. Um, and some of the others would be great if they made it. But like Morton, for example, I think he's doing pretty well at Blackburn. Um, we just extended his contract. Well, is that to do with our belief in him or to do with the Edwards model of? That makes it easier to get a good return. It could be a little bit of both. I mean, in reality, he, given where our midfield numbers are, like there's every bit of a possibility that he could be our seventh or eighth midfielder next year. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, a depth guy who gets some minutes. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to write a player, and like I know I'm not accusing any of you of doing this, Paul. I don't want to write a player off before he's had an opportunity to actually do what he's do before we see what he's good at. Like Tyler Morton's a a young kid who's been running a running a good championship team's midfield. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you know, it's it's complicated, right? Because so few people make it. You know, I, I was watching a brief bit of the Leeds Cardiff game today and Cardiff's number 10 is Shea Ojo, who, you know, for, for a while we had really high hopes of. And, you know, great that he's he's got a, you know, I'm assuming given he's got the number 10 shirt at the team, he is someone who's like, like well embedded in their team. He's got a good career in the championship. And I think what, um, you know, which may be true of people in our academy, and that's a good career for them. Um, what I'm kind of really looking for is, you know, is, is, are the Katie Gordons, the Harvey Elliotts that are out there, are they, are they going to form the basis of our team over the next like five to 10 years? Uh, I don't, well, we don't know. Right. But our organization is littered with players that we've, we've heaped potentially unrealistic expectations on the next, this, the next, that yeah. George I was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, you can, you can shake a stick at some of these guys and it's, I, I'm wondering if if the fact that you're wearing that that liver bird on your chest has something to do with with how how precipitous not a precipitous or the right way of saying it but just how quickly they seem to disappear or 
yeah. they're never they're never never heard from again. I'm like I'm, I'm I know it's 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 a cutthroat sport and it's a results business, but I'm wondering if the fact that it is Liverpool Football Club doesn't weigh somewhat more heavily on on those kids because if if it's say for example it's at Southampton they have the capacity to to get the minutes and be like oh this kid's kind of good like look at Eight Nuri. I, yeah. I think I think he'd be a fantastic addition to our squad. I think that he was every bit of a clock player, and I watched him play us the first time. I think he played against the first time he played against. I was like, "Who is this kid? He's young. He's not scared. He's quick." And but you, you, those avenues of, of 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 advancement are somewhat narrow narrower for kids in at Liverpool, and and then they show it twenty minutes of excellence, and all of a sudden they're the next big thing, and then they just they they they. they then they're a flop because the expectations are so high. It's, it's, yeah. Well, I, th- I think what's got harder for them as well is our levels gone up, right? It was one thing being a, like a junior in 2017, 18, when Klopp first came in, 2015, 16. But now, um, you know, like Bacetich, Morton, are going to have to be a, a, a different level unless somehow we kind of fade away. To, to be able to make it into this team. So, good conversation. Um, we should probably wrap it up, right? We're um, running another long episode. You say like it's a bad thing. Do you just, we've, no, no, exactly. Usually, usually we end on like some hilarious note and this was very reflective, so. Well, if you, if you want to, if you want your hilarious note, I'm so spent from this afterwards that I'm going to go sprawl on my floor like Nabby Kata at the 90th minute yesterday. <laughs> or Harvey Elliott, right? <laughs> that was very interesting. Like how many players had to lie down after that game? Yes, that's the kind of effort we need. Let's we love that. to see it. Let's take that into Saturday. Okay. Okay, we'll be back next week after the Reds hopefully have battered Chelsea and uh, and uh, Harry Potter, or Graham Potter, as uh, other people know him, has not been able to work any magic whatsoever. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks, Daz. This has been awesome. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H Y P E N O T I C. Thanks so much to them. <laughs>